The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The shepherds went in haste to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Great to see all of you this morning. Of course, the church does time a little bit differently than we do in our calendar time. And as I mentioned in the opening, this is the eighth day of Christmas, the completion of a week of Christmas. We call it the octave of Christmas. And of course, there's 12 days of Christmas, which we'll finish with Epiphany later on. And as you just heard in the gospel reading, on the eighth day, Jesus was circumcised and he was named according to the Old Testament covenant, as was, of course, the custom. But today, also, the church celebrates the solemnity of Mary, the mother of God. And we're certainly here at Trinity used to hearing that title, mother of God. It comes up in the Eucharistic prayer every week. We'll hear it again this morning. But there are many Christian traditions out there, and sometimes even Lutherans who don't know their Lutheran doctrine very well, that <laughs> start joking on titles like that for Mary. Like, what are we doing? Because we think that if we give Mary honor that way, it takes away from Jesus. But it's actually just the opposite. Our Lutheran confessions, these are the, the documents that were during the founding time of the Reformation put together in a book called the Book of Concord. One of them is called the Formula of Concord, and here's what it says. Therefore, we believe, teach, and confess that Mary did not conceive and give birth to a child who was merely, purely, simply human, but she gave birth to the true Son of God. Therefore, she is rightly called and truly is the mother of God. Later on, it says, because of this personal union and the communion of the natures, it's talking about the two natures of Christ, Mary, the most blessed virgin, bore not a mere ordinary human being, but instead a human being who is truly the Son of God, the Most High, as the angel testifies. He demonstrated his divine majesty in his mother's womb in that he was born of a virgin without violating her virginity. Therefore, she remained truly the mother of God and at the same time, a virgin. Now, as they do throughout the entire book of Concord, what our Lutheran confessions are trying to do is make the point that we are not teaching as Lutherans any new teaching in the church, but in fact, we are faithful to what the church Catholic has always taught. The term mother of God was first promulgated by the Ecumenical Council of Ephesus in the year 431 AD. And it was an answer to a controversy about Jesus. The patriarch of Constantinople, Nestorius, was wrongly teaching that the two natures of Christ, God and man, remained separate. 
He, in fact, was willing to call Mary the mother of Christ because, in his view, she could only be the mother to his humanity. But the council, following St. Cyril, the patriarch of Alexandria, insisted on what is called the hypostatic union of the nature. That is, that the two natures of Christ, which are distinct and yet are so united that whatever Jesus does, either because of his human nature, like, you know, eat and sleep, etc., or what he does according to his divine nature, like doing miracles, none of this is done separately as if Jesus is switching in and out of these natures. What he does according to one nature, he does as the one and the same Jesus, the God-man. Now, this is especially important for understanding Jesus' death and resurrection. We don't say that a mere man died, because that wouldn't do us much good, would it? But what immortal, immortal God cannot otherwise do, now that he is fully human, he does. When Jesus died, the God-man died. This means God died for us. And on the other hand, what mortal man can't otherwise do, rise from the dead, when the God-man rises from the dead, humanity rises to become immortal. So the Council of Ephesus then insisted that Mary be called in the Greek theotikos, which means the God-bearer, which was translated then into Latin, mater dei, the mother of God. And the council emphatically states this, if anyone does not confess that Emmanuel is God in truth and therefore that the Holy Virgin is the mother of God, for she bore in a fleshly way the word of God become flesh, let him be anathema. In other words, condemned. Quite simply, Mary is the mother of the Son who is God. The title of honor that we give to her is actually about Jesus. Mother of God tells us precisely who is in her womb and to whom she gives birth. Our God and our brother, fully God and fully man, united in this one person, Jesus. We can't separate the two natures of Jesus. If we do, then when we worship Jesus, then we would be worshiping a man, and that would be blasphemy. But see, when we worship Jesus, we worship the Son of God who has become man for us. Or, if we separate the, nature, think, the natures, think about what that would do of the Holy Eucharist. Here's what St. Cyril says. This, the Eucharist, we receive not as ordinary flesh, heaven forbid, nor as that of a man who's been made holy, and joined to the word by honor, union of honor, or who had a divine indwelling. No, 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 no. But as truly the life-giving and real flesh of the word, for being life by nature as God, when he became one with his own flesh, he made it also to be life-giving. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 6. If you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have eternal life. Why? Because his flesh and blood are now life-giving. All right, now, about now, if your heads are kind of spinning, like, come on, dude, it's New Year's morning. What's going on? Oh, wow. All right. 
What I'd like to do now is just take a quick look at our readings for some beautiful, very beautiful applications of this truth to our lives. So first of all, in our Old Testament reading, we hear that ancient blessing given by Aaron in the Old Testament priesthood. Now in Jesus, God's face shining on us and looking upon us is not an anthropomorphism, a, a way of using human characteristics to describe God in, in poetic terms. No, no. God now has a real human face, and he shines on us graciously and with favor. And in reverse, when we look at the face of Jesus, we now see the face of God. Next, in our Galatians reading, it teaches us that if humanity and divinity are two separate natures in Jesus, as Nestorius was wrongly teaching, then ultimately God and humanity are separated. That's why this is so important. But in fact, Galatians says, precisely because the Son of God was born of a woman, therefore uniting God and humanity in himself, in his person, he is now the one able to unite all of humanity with God. Why? Because, see, he's our brother. And if we then are brothers and sisters to the one who is the Son of God, well, then what does that make us in relationship to God? His sons and his daughters. His adopted sons and daughters, says Galatians. We're not a separated class from God, like slaves. No, no, no. We are his sons and daughters, united with God as family. In fact, united with him so intimately that we can call him Abba, which in Aramaic would be something like Daddy. And then finally, in our gospel reading, the mother of God shows us what to do with a mystery like this one, that makes our heads spin. It said, Mary kept all these things reflecting on them in her heart. Now, in one way, she does what every mother does, right? When a newborn child is given, you marvel at the, the newness of life, this mystery of life. But how much more so since her son is God's son, and she knew so because Gabriel had told her so, and because the shepherds had just reported their angelic vision, for unto you is born this day in the, in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the Lord, God. Okay, but now what would this all mean? Uh, what would happen now? The Greek word, therefore, reflecting can literally mean piecing together. Mary was piecing together in her heart what God was doing through her son. And as we've been talking about all year here at Trinity, the girl from Nazareth teaches us that first step of faith when she gave God her fiat, her yes. We must all take that first step of faith and give God are yes, but today she teaches us the next critical step of faith, that we take the truths of God that he reveals to us, and slowly we piece them together in our hearts, and the more that we do, it forms a picture for us, ever more detailed and clear of who he is and what he's done for us. 
See, that in turn then gives us a picture of who we are. All of us are trying to piece together our broken lives. Lives that have been shattered into pieces by failures and tragedies and lies. In fact, sometimes we may be so discouraged that we might think human existence is nothing but an unsolvable puzzle of pieces. What does it mean? But if, like Mary, we would treasure these things and piece them together in our hearts, then He will begin to piece us back together with a vision for us that slowly becomes then what we believe in our hearts, that we are the sons and the daughters of Abba. And all because the Son of God was born of Mary and truly became one of us. Therefore, she is rightly called and truly is the mother of God. For Mary's son is God's son. In a world that always wants to rush off to the next thing, right? Do you know what today is? 357 days till next Christmas, let's go! No, let's not. <laughs> let's be like Mary, the mother of God. Let's do that right now. I'm going to give you a moment right now, but I would challenge you to make, maybe this is your New Year's resolution. Let's do it throughout this next year. Let's take time in prayer and in reflection to piece together in our hearts what God has done for us.